0: My name's Kojo Oteng, you're listening to The Dropback Podcast.
1: The Dropback, with Sam Lewis, Matt Burns-Peak, Joe Costanzo and Sam Wilson.
2: Hello and welcome back to The Dropback Podcast. We've got a great show for you lined up, as you can tell from our intro. Stan had a fantastic interview with Kojo Oteng that's coming up later in the show. We're also going to look into the NFC West and how it's the tightest division in football. We're going to have a look at Tampa Bay and what's going on. Can they make the playoffs? Another look at another NFC South team at what's Matt Rule building in Carolina and is it sustainable going forwards? Before finally we get to your game of the week, which will be revealed at the end of the show. But before we get into it, let's meet your hosts. I'm Sam Lewis and I'm joined by Stan Wilson. Hello, Sam. Joe Costanzo. Hello, and Matt Burns Peak. Hi, Sam. How are we all doing, fellas?
1: Yeah, doing pretty well. Good. Pretty happy with that interview with um, Coach Kojo. Yeah, he just gave a great insight into Britball as a whole and the direction it's moving in terms of players just going across the state. So, um yeah,
2: just stick around for that later in the episode. Absolutely. And are we all a bit more prepared than Kendall Hinton was this weekend? Yeah, mm. I felt so sorry for that bloke, man. Like, it was set up to fail. It was.
3: It's an impossible situation, isn't it, really?
4: It was more tragic than watching Joe trying to fucking study for his end-of-year
1: exam. <laughs> I mean, technically, he had, he had more preparation time because he had 24 hours. We only got planned for the podcast this morning.
2: Oh, I thought you meant Joe for his end-of-year exams had less than 24 hours, <laughs> which valid. is also true. Like, less than 24 hours, I'm not way. <laughs> well, no, it's just <laughs> strange the way... I mean, I, you can see the argument the NFL has made, especially when you can compare this game to the Steelers-Ravens that yeah, the Ravens have had people testing positively throughout the whole week and different position groups. But when you compare it to the Denver, they were basically like, right, unlucky lads, you've lost this game because of one position group. It, it just didn't seem right.
4: Yeah, they basically made it like a non-event. Like it was an awful game to watch.
1: Yeah, it was pretty fun for like one quarter. When, and then the novelty of the Wildcat kind of just wore off and it was just like, eh, I'm going to another game.
3: Yeah, the World Cup, especially when you're not trying any like wacky passes out of it, is just terrible,
1: really. Yeah, I want to see some like triple reverse jet sweep action or something like that, not just Royce Freeman running the ball in straight into a defender.
2: Also, it made no sense to not give Kendall Hinton any options. Just like right, you're having to throw deep every single time. Yeah, and if you can't get it deep straight away, you're gonna get battered because the saints have a good pass rush now can my man get a fucking slant route or something like fucking hell
4: just
1: he got like one screen or something it was like a backside yeah. screen he
4: got he got a backside screen to Noah Fant for his only completion
2: everything else was like yeah. yeah it
1: was a it was a magnificent it was a very um very magnificent dump off pass as well
2: i think it's arguably the best screen in nfl history they still did better than the lions though in terms of point score <laughs> and just as well as the buccaneers i suppose <laughs> and which does bring us to the question, like, what the hell is going on down there in Tampa Bay and can they get it together before this super team is bounced from the playoffs? Um,
1: no. Tom Brady's not compatible with Bruce Arians in terms of his play style. And if they want to succeed, Tom Brady is either going to have to change his play style, his mindset, or Bruce Arians has to change his offence to fit Tom Brady, which would be more fitting, considering that is your job if you are controlling the offence. At the moment, what's happening is Bruce Arians wants Tom Brady to be like Carson Palmer. By that, I mean he wants him to essentially control the play-action game, going off Ronald Jones, and take deep shots, which is something Tom Brady's able to do, but not very accurately at this stage in his career, apparently. To move forward, Tom Brady needs to improve his deep accuracy, and Bruce Arians needs to just amend his offence and realise he's not working with a Carson Palmer or a Ben Roethlisberger, and that he just needs to adapt and change with the times. Mm,
2: it's not like Tom Brady doesn't have a whole load of game film about what works best for him throughout his exactly. whole career, but, as maybe my one of the best worth. quarterbacks on, of all time. Maybe you could have planned your offense so it plays to his strengths. I don't know, yeah. just a thought. Like it, It's so weird
4: to see, like, everyone knows Tom Brady's fantastic at getting the ball out early, making the correct decision quickly, and putting the ball in the hands of his playmakers. so play to that like that's surely quite an easy skill set to accommodate especially when you've got an abundance of really skilled wide receivers and, and weapons surely that's a match made in heaven get the ball in their hands early
2: but especially given the state of that o-line they've lost their best lineman anyway so there's the protection doesn't hold up for all these deep shots that the defense knows coming top Brady's is like a sitting duck out there we've seen it throughout aaron's career and it gets offset because they put up big numbers but those quarterbacks get absolutely battered behind there and that's not what Tom Brady wants to do at age 43
1: yeah exactly at the 43 he should be just sitting he should be just be sitting back and just completing the easy like these short checkdowns so he just taking what the defense gives him which is exactly what he's made a living off and he's just he's done that outstandingly for his entire career I don't think the Bruce Arians is actually going to change that much. I know I previously mentioned he should, but I don't think he's going to change his offense that much because it's a lot easier said than done when your entire coaching philosophy revolves around the whole idea of no risk it, no biscuit. Ain't no biscuits in off-
2: Tampa at the moment, mate. <laughs> no, no
1: biscuits.
4: <laughs> but that, that has also become like a big part of Bruce Arians' identity as well, right? It's, like it's it, it sort of yeah. extended past just. You know, the way he sees football and the way he wants to play football, uh, it's become synonymous with Bruce Arians, So it is, to an extent, quite a tall ask. If you're going to go all in on Bruce Arians and, and have him as your head coach and he's the guy to then be like, but also, you know, that thing that you're really sort of famous and synonymous with doing, you, you can't do that because we're not going to give you, we're going to give you a quarterback who's,
3: you know, really good at something else instead. If you're thinking that the way, then why bother getting Tom Brady in the first place? Like Stan said, it doesn't really play into his strengths. He's, I think, 26th in the league in passing accuracy, passes over 20 yards. So if that's what the whole system revolves around them, then why bother going after Tom Brady?
1: I think the whole there's a whole cut like personality clash there as well. I I heard I've been on a podcast earlier in fact that they were talking about the fact that in terms of work ethic. Uh, Bruce Arians post-game tailgates he'd have drinks in the back of his car they'd all go out and have a drink after the game it was very like, relaxed chilled out environment and then you've got this absolute workaholic in Tom Brady who is a non-stop yeah. grinder he's a perfectionist and that that's why he's arguably the great quarterback of all time that's how he
2: got there I think that's why Tom Brady's won a plethora of Super Bowls and to be honest for all his numbers bruce arians
4: hasn't yeah but basically what, I, what i've got from that is that tom brady's killing
2: bruce arians vibe and he's just fucking chill out a bit
3: down's a beer really quickly though if anyone's ever seen it, be one
4: of the yeah.
2: boys tom yeah but i think i think that's where it's going to come up because is there a chance that bruce arians isn't there next year if they go out early in the playoffs one of the
1: like
2: does tom brady want to be there another year and get absolutely blasted by deal tackles instead of getting the yeah. ball out
1: he's got something to prove He'll stay there for another year. Bruce Arians will stay there for another year. Nothing will change unless, out of nowhere, Bruce Arians retires again.
2: Well, Bruce Arians needs to change his offence or literally nothing will change. it will be the same situation next year.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if over the off-season there are changes made. Perhaps Byron Leftwich takes a more active role in the offence. Like I know he's play-calling at the moment, but he's still very much a Bruce Arians offence. So, yeah, maybe Byron Leftwich installs more of the schemes and styles that he's more com- comfortable with and that would work more with Tom Brady perhaps
2: Unless left, which is just an Aarons guy anyway and it's the same offensive system in which case Cool name though I mean they've got, they've got a bye week coming up this week hopefully be able to sort out this little losing run they're on and then they play 14th with losing records so they should be alright and make the playoffs it's just expectations they're not going to reach the expectations at the beginning of the season
3: It's just when they get to the playoffs that'll be the issue
2: Yeah which does, though, take us to the NFC West or, as Stan like to say, the best division in football. The I NFC best. I, I prefer to know it as the opposite of the NFC East, but we'll <laughs> each have our own. And so if the Bucks do make the playoffs, the Saints are already in from that division, that means there's probably three playoff spaces left for four pretty good teams. But before we get to who's going to go out, the, the 49ers did sort of return this week Brought a few players back from injuries and beat the Rams to really stir the pot there.
4: Hmm. I mean, Nick Mullins was fun. <laughs> in a way, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's a weird one. Like, I still have absolutely no faith whatsoever in this in this forty niners team.
1: Agreed. I've got faith in like Carl Shanahan, but that's literally it. Yeah. Like Nick, Nick, Mullen, Nick Mullins is serviceable, <laughs> but they just, they've got too many injuries to make a serious. A serious run, and it's kind of surprising they, they got this win against the Rams, to be honest with you.
2: Can you not say Debo Samuel opens up that new element of the offense that they were lacking that explosiveness? And they scored a fair few points against the Rams' defense that has looked and did even in this game look pretty good.
1: Oh, yeah, by all means, it's, it's impressive, but I think that part of that, is, well, quite a lot of that, has got to be attributed to just Kyle Shanahan being just a wizard, quite frankly. He may be the best offensive mind in football, and he showed that there today. And yeah, Nick M- Nick Mullins, as I said, he was serviceable. They had an no all right rushing attack going. They got over a hundred yards on the ground. Um, they got a def- they got a couple of defensive turnovers as well off Jared Goff. Who um
2: yeah. You say Nick Mullins is serviceable, but is this not? I mean, he gets a lot of flack, but has this season not been the biggest argument for how yeah. important Jimmy G is for that offense?
1: Yeah, that's true. That's a very good point. Um,
2: Matt didn't like that one.
1: I think they, I think they just need a starting quarterback more than anything. Because Nick Mullins doesn't have the arm strength to be a starter, or the experience of Jimmy G. I don't like Jimmy G as a starter, but he is a starting quarterback. He's like, he's just average. Like on the on the Radney NFL Podcast, they used to have this thing called the Dalton Scale, and they'd rank players whether they'd be above or below the Dalton Scale. And I think he grew up below. You can probably replace it, replace him in the middle of the pack right now. He's not going to win you a game. He might lose. Unlikely. Game. He's unlikely
2: to lose or win you a game. He's just. I don't
1: know. There. To be honest, he can quite quite easily lose your game with the amount of picks he throws. That There's a lot true. of
2: quarterbacks sort that... Of in that region though nowadays, and it's all been sort of hushed because of how much money quarterbacks get paid. But it seems that as soon as you're not absolutely terrible, your team will call you the franchise quarterback and send and give you a whole load of money, no matter if you are actually a franchise yeah. quarterback, which there was only probably, when we were doing our top 10 list, there's probably what, maybe 10 in the league? If that, there were some towards that bottom end that we all had questions about.
4: Yeah. yeah.
1: There's there's, t- there's about 10 good, like proper good quarterbacks in the league right now.
4: It's a weird one. I feel like it's one of those positions where you can get away with being a starting quarterback, cor- like being a starter at quarterback by just being sort of all right. Whereas I feel like every other position, like...
2: It's easier to find replacements, isn't it?
4: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like as long it. as you're not terrible at throwing the footy, you could probably make a decent killing. <laughs> yeah.
1: I don't know about that. I think I'm that it,
2: it is almost the case. I mean, it's very, it's very simplified, but it is much easier that you, once you sort of prove yourself as, a, as you can be a quarterback, showing a glimpse of it, it's very hard to almost lose that position as we've seen in Philadelphia
1: yeah I guess so I mean the quarterback market is completely it's in failure it's broken there's a complete like, misallocation of funds like the high—the highest paid quarterbacks are not the best ones and the lowest paid quarterbacks are not the worst ones
2: it's, it's cyclical just, whoever's up next it's gets, completely broken. gets to be the highest paid quarterback because the team doesn't want to exactly. lose out on paying their quarterback
1: yeah will Kyler Murray be paid more than Patrick Mahomes probably yeah
2: well, yeah, but if you break
4: it down. Like, oh, yeah. I'll be sick in my mouth if that happens.
1: If that happens, unless Kyler takes a massive jump, jumps forward and then has a, has an MVP season. Yeah, because, it doesn't matter
2: or... how good Kyler plays, he can reach, go far beyond his potential. No one is going to be as good as Patrick Mahomes is.
3: I think that's why a lot of people were saying the Patrick Mahomes deal was, was quite good at the end of it because they've actually secured it for 10 years and the QB market's going to go so high up in that amount of time.
2: And he's not getting that much towards the end of that contract as well. Well, comparatively, obviously, I would take the back end of that contract just once. But we
1: we could probably take a day of his contract and like just live forever.
2: How much do you think he's getting paid?
1: (laughs) A lot. He's getting paid hundreds of millions. I
4: mean, he's he's He's, correct. It it is hundreds of millions. Five
1: hundred, five hundred million. Yeah, it it is. We'll get
4: taxed on it though. oh no that's, it's, it rounds out about 20 quid Joe
2: is that what you're trying to say you might be able to afford a Fredo by the end of
1: it <laughs> he's all getting paid off to his place in the Cayman Islands alright anyway. so back to
2: yep. the NFC West you guys don't seem particularly convinced about the 49ers does that mean you think the other three are probably going to make it and in what order
1: um, I just want to go in here uh, I just, I've projected their their final records I think the 49ers are going to go 7-9 and nine. I think they're going to miss out on the playoffs this year and then the the nine and seven Cardinals, the twelve and four Rams, and the eleven and five Seattle Seahawks will all get in. Oh, so oh, right. you got the Rams
2: winning out based on those numbers. Yep.
1: We've got the Cardinals and Cardinals, in which yeah, I've got them all of them. Wow. Uh, I don't know. The Patriots do like to
3: upset bigger teams sometimes.
1: The Patriots they out coached us the other day. They had better coaching, and I think I think that's the reason why they beat the Cardinals. But Cam Newton is not. Like a good quarterback at all?
2: No, I mean the Cardinals are the best. The Cardinals' best unit right now is their defense. So it, it is. I mean, you can you can watch that game against the Patriots again if you want. Your offense was absolutely oh, in
1: terrific that, in want. that game. Was yeah, just in that particular game.
2: I mean, I'm not saying it's the most talented. It's the best coach and the best executing. Obviously, you've got the most talent on offense, yeah. but they are for what for what the positions you've got there. It's underperforming.
1: Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like Cliff Kingsbury, still essentially, he's still learning his way in the league. Like this, this head coaching job in Arizona was his first head coaching job in the NFL. Before that, it was just Texas Tech, essentially in the M, um, in the Big Twelve in college football.
2: Mm. D- does the fact that Zane Gonzalez keeps winning keeps missing like game altering kicks? Does that concern you? Yeah,
1: get him out. Just completely get him out. Kyle Wright has lost more games due to dodgy kicks than Tom Brady has in his entire career. Just get him out of Arizona. If you can't make simple kicks like that, just yeah.
4: Well someone's yeah. changed their tune.
1: Well, look, I I appreciate Cliff Kingsbury backing his kicker because there's not really much you can do. If you criticise your kicker, you're gonna get in his head a bit more. So you've you've got to defend him, but it does come to a point where you've got to think, look mate, you're not making the kicks you got to, you've got to make, so pack your bags.
2: Maybe Cliff just wants him there just Moral support. to take up some of that blame. Maybe
1: they're just like best friends.
2: Whoa. Is, is
1: Kiff
4: I under mean, the cosh the... somewhat? I think no. he is. I mean,
1: just I'm not saying he is. Side. Should he be? Or should he? In what sense? Like on in the hot seat?
4: Well, he's got to be the yeah, fucking so slowest he... learner I've ever seen. Like, it, it, this is his second season now, head coaching. And we're still seeing weird play calls and stuff like that. He seems to sort of out-coach himself, almost Shanahan-esque in big games, um, where he, he almost seems to get in his own head and make sort of weird play calls, which it does, where he, it seems like he's almost like double-faked himself out of just doing the obvious correct thing.
1: Um, yeah. And for once this season, I can't blame the offensive line because since we hired Sean Kluger to um to coach our big boys up front, they've been... like. Compl- pretty much completely fine above average in the league so i can't blame them mm. It has, yeah the play calling has been very very bad though in, in some cases
3: so other than the the rams who do who do the cardinals have for the rest of the season uh we got well, after the rams we've
1: got the giants eagles 49ers and rams ah
3: oh, okay so you'll I win.
1: Think, yeah i think we'll, we'll beat the beat the giants eagles and niners but lose both the
2: games to the rams
1: the Niners might be a tough one. Yeah, no, I agree it'll be a tough one because
2: they'll be playing at home, no matter if they're home or away. <laughs> that is true.
4: It's our place now.
2: That is true.
4: Uh, I'm I'm surprised that you've got you got your cards losing twice to the Rams here, Stan.
1: Sean McVay is a much better coach than Cliff Kingsbury. He he will. We will be out coached. Their their defense has improved a lot as well. They're better coached on both sides of the ball, obviously. You've got Jared Goff, though, on offence, who isn't a great quarterback. I'm not a fan of him at all. The O-line's been struggling. But at the end of the day, it's Sean McVay, and he will make things work. He he can pull the strings with Jared Goff, and he'll pull it off both times against us, I think.
2: Mm, And that Rams' defence is really performing well right now. They lost this game against the 49ers, but it was a couple of turnovers that really did them in from Goff on the offence, rather than bad play from the defence. Aaron Donald is as good as anyone Jalen Ramsey, arguably the second best defensive player in the league right now, behind Donald. Yeah. So, I mean the level that they're forming at it it's t- they're tough to beat. That The only way you do beat them realistically is when you get Goff playing like you did the other day.
1: Yeah, when they're playing from behind and they can't rush the ball as much from that trio running backs they love to use. And you force Goff to pass the ball. Yeah, that's exactly how you beat them.
2: Okay, and the Seahawks we don't think they can take the division?
1: Uh, No, I don't think they will. I've Got them going 11 and five at the moment. I think that they're gonna take a loss to the Rams in week sixteen, and that's gonna be mm-hmm. the game that re-tips the balance in the division.
2: Yeah, that's no surprise to me. I'm watching the Eagles Seahawks game on Monday night, like obviously we were utterly dismal, barely a professional team, but the Seahawks don't look as good as they did early in the season. Yeah. Either on offense or they don't look especially com- competent on defense. Like Carson Wentz was completing passes on them, it's weird. But <laughs> no, I just they just don't they don't they don't look like a contender right now. And you're right, I think the Rams and maybe even Cardinals are better at the moment.
1: Yeah, I agree. I gotta agree with you there. So yeah, Cards nine and seven, Niners seven and nine, Rams twelve and four, and Seahawks eleven and five.
2: To be fair, I may have overstated the Seahawks because they may have just been taking the piss against us, going for it on fourth down because they know we can't actually do anything yeah. to challenge it.
1: Yeah, it was like a game against the practice squad, really, wasn't it? it
2: was you know we'll, we'll just go for it on fourth down because if they miss, what they're going to do? March eighty yards lot. Yeah,
1: what they're going to do?
3: Score on us. <laughs> Next joke, Counts please.
2: Be a fine thing. DK pretty
3: much won that game anyway. Yeah,
4: hard. that was that was a real smart move from uh, Jim Jim Schwartz to a uh, cool to get in, try and get in DK's head by being like, oh, you know Megatron, and they
2: just... He wasn't. Have you seen the quote? He was complimenting DK. He said he basically could be Megatron, but he's not there yet.
4: Well, he didn't have to say the negative bit at the end.
2: Apparently, he came up to him the, uh, before the game, and just was really complimentary to-, to him. And DK took the thing, Oh, I bet, I bet. I took that
0: personally. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> but moving on to a team that probably won't make the playoffs this year. I mean, technically, because of how many playoff spots and just how clubbed together the middle of the NFL is the Panthers probably won't get there but looks like Matt Rule's building a really good thing down there in Carolina I'll let Stan take the lead on this because you were a big fan of this team in the off season.
1: yeah I was a big fan of the um the Panthers during the offseason obviously I think Matt Rule is a great head coach I was a really big fan of what he's done at Baylor and Temple in college football rebuilding those programs from scratch pretty much and making them essentially competent and winning football programmes. And obviously he took the next step up to the NFL with the Panthers. And instantly I was a fan of the hire from David Tepper. And yeah, it's just going to be interesting to see what they build over the coming years. We've seen this season so far, they've managed to have a watchable season despite having a very, very poor roster. You've got Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback, who's managed to do a competent job, but he's not going to be the guy For them, they're going to need to either draft or bring in a free agent. Most likely, draft this season. But defensively, despite the lack of talent, they've been able to perform week in, week out, pretty much, and shut down offenses. They did quite a good job against Dalvin Cook in the first half against the Vikings, which is really impressive. Like teams just don't shut them down in those ways. And yeah, schematically, they are sound. Obviously, you've got Matt Rule running the defence and you've got Joe Brady on offence. Whether Joe Brady stays there in the long run, eh, it's unlikely. However, they're building something positive in Carolina.
2: Mm. No, i got to agree with you. I mean, I think I didn't see this coming. I thought this was a bit of a wacky hire, but I mean, I think it goes to show that a lot of times for head coaches, you don't necessarily just need an X's and O's guy. Obviously, he needs to have that capability but you need someone especially for a building team you need someone that yeah exactly the team can rally around or get people going because it's i imagine it's hard going out knowing you, you don't necessarily have the biggest and best players available so you're going to be an underdog it has you need someone special that's going to make you buy into that and rule seems to have been able to do that i mean looking at where they are in the draft they've got the seventh spot at the moment there are a few teams that probably won't be taking a quarterback, so they they could have a ch- shot, at a real good quarterback. And do you think that's a move that they should be taking?
1: Absolutely, Zach Wilson from BYU is the move they need to make. Defensive head coaches, the one thing they value more than anything, is a quarterback who doesn't turn over the football. Like that might that might sound like a really stupid, and obvious thing to say. However, you look at Ron Rivera over in Car- sorry over in Washington this season with Kyle Allen, he brought him over there. Because he's his guy. He's not a great quarterback and he probably shouldn't be a starter in this league at all. However, he's very conservative with the football. He doesn't give it away much. That is something that defensive-minded defensive, court, defensive minded head coaches value more than anything. That's why I think Zach Wilson would be a great fit for Carolina.
2: My issue there, though, is what you've just described is Teddy Bridgewater. And you could argue that's part of the issue that they've had this season, that they haven't been explosive enough on offence. And when, because all Teddy Bridgewater does is take the, soft, the safe option when he's passing.
1: Teddy Bridgewater and Zach Wilson are two different quarterbacks, though. Teddy Bridgewater doesn't have the arm talent of Zach Wilson. He doesn't have, essentially, the pop and the zip in his arm to fit the ball downfield. And in his mindset as well, Teddy Bridgewater, I'm a fan of him, but he's not going to win you games with his arms. He's not going to throw the ball downfield in the same way that PJ Walker does when he comes off the bench. And my man. My-
2: so there you go you've hit on something else do they have a go with P.J. Walker
1: no
3: I don't think there's there's any benefit for them to do it at the moment because they're not going to get into the they're not going to make a playoff run at this point no just draft Zach Wilson at all costs I think at this point
2: I think it's telling as well that they've looked good even without their best player on the pitch for most of the season as well yeah
1: I mean part of that's down to Mike Davis though like his his contribution has been understated, I think. He's an absolute fighter, running He's got a great story to him, just being bounced around teams. And he got his chance to start, made the most of it, and was a nice little fantasy player for me for a couple of weeks as well, which is always a bonus.
3: I think they do need to find someone who's just going to consistently push the ball further downfield. That was the one change up I saw when PJ Walker actually got his start, you know, just more consistency in, in pushing the ball downfield. Um, not always just looking for the safe option and it would be nice if they went down a different route where it you know because because like you said with with Zach Wilson he'd be going for someone who's less likely to turn the ball over but that's probably what you thought you were going to get with Teddy Bridgewater in the first place
1: no it's Zach Wilson look if you look watch his film from BYU he doesn't turn the ball over in terms of games like and completion percentage and interceptions and stuff he's been much more safe with the football than Justin Fields has at Ohio State like he crumbled versus that Indiana defence mm. last weekend but
2: is is he eligible this year
1: Zach Wilson mm. yeah he's a senior
2: okay would you rather have him than Trey Lance I was just thinking yep. that I was literally 100%. just thinking that exactly.
4: if you're going by not turning the ball over
1: I'd take Zach Wilson really yeah Trey Lance Trey Lance obviously he only had his one game this year but he completely crumbled in that he looked bad.
2: I thought he started off bad, but then like sort of rejigged himself to come back for it.
1: He he just missed throws in that game that he would never normally usually. And the thing is, with FCS quarterbacks, coming from schools like James Madison and North Dakota State, is the level of competition at those FCS schools is nothing like FBS Division 1.
2: I mean, let's not kill ourselves and pretend BYU play Alabama and then Auburn back-to-back, but I do understand
1: your point. They still play play better teams. Yeah, BYU's not a Power 5 programme, but you can't deny what you can see on film consistently this season with Zach Wilson. And yeah, I, I would fair. take I would take him over Trey Lance personally. Like, sure, Trey Lance could turn out to be a great quarterback, but in terms of being a safer pick and being an instant impact, Zach Wilson every day of the week.
2: Which one of those would you say has the highest ceiling?
1: I don't know. I'm...
2: We get back to you after you've had a little bit of time to yeah, have a look at the tape. I'd just,
1: I'd just like to say, with the whole idea of ceilings with quarterbacks, I think it's... These ceilings are sometimes just completely unrealistic because you can look at a player and think, "Oh, he's got the, he's got a great athletic body; he could mm. he could be this amazing player." But in reality, that's never going to happen. That's why I, I don't like looking at ceilings so much with quarterbacks, especially. That's
2: fair.
1: I'd say, especially because for...
2: they're so tied to schemes and the coaches they're with as well.
1: Exactly. I'd go in terms of my my draft order this year. Obviously, you got Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and then Zach Wilson there. And then Trey Lance falling after him.
2: What if you can get Sam Darnold on a on a cheap trade,
1: what? So Sam Darnold or Zach Wilson? Mm. Zach Wilson.
4: Yeah, Sam Darnold sucks.
1: Yeah, I was a massive fan of Sa- Sam Darnold coming out of college either. To be honest with you, I don't think either of any of us were. Except sick.
3: He's, absolutely... no. He's what one you... of those.
0: What? <laughs> <laughs> That's just well,
2: first of all, not even angry. true. I, think um, yeah. I, mean, is... I wasn't as low on him as you guys were. I wasn't like, oh yeah, Sam Donald's going to be the next big thing. You love Sam Donald.
1: You. This <laughs> is a
2: this is <laughs> absolute fake He's news. A Donald
1: guy. I mean, this was before the podcast started, so unfortunately we can't go diving back through um, past no, episodes. I've
2: got, got videotapes. <laughs> That's weird. That's
1: Does Sam know weird. about these?
2: <laughs> no, I don't, because I don't even know that I was saying that I'm a Sam Donald guy, so I definitely don't know about any tapes. Donald. But Anyway... Um... <laughs> I think before we get into the standings for our game picks and looking at this week's game of the week, we should quickly cut to Stan's interview with XL Performances head coach, Kojo Oteng.
1: I'm joined by XL Performance Coach Kojo Oteng. How you doing, mate?
0: I'm alright, man. How are you today, Stan? Yeah, no,
1: I'm not, I'm not doing too badly. It's just great, it's great to have you on, to have someone who's got insight into brickball a bit further and just somewhere where we, we haven't really delved as a podcast before mm-hmm. into the performance coaching that goes behind some of these BritBall players that we're seeing moving on to places like America. So yeah, thank you for um, Thank you for coming on.
0: Uh, happy to be here. Thank you.
1: Yeah, just briefly, first we want to touch on your background as a player because obviously... Yeah. You started off in BritBall. Whereabouts did that? Whereabouts did your journey in American football begin?
0: Uh, probably like 10 years old. Uh, probably played at Blitz, Blitz flag. I'm from North West London, so the closest team was Blitz. Um, how I got into ball was probably my brother. He used to play for the Warriors. And yeah, I'd go to his games or whatever. Then fell in love with the game, played. And then eventually made my way up to the US as well. So that was where my BritBall journey started.
1: That's awesome. Was there a bit of sibling rivalry between the Warriors and Blitz?
0: Oh, always, always, always. He was much older, so going to his games, I had to be a bit incognito and stuff. So it was, yeah. it was a bit of rivalry there. Because
1: obviously you played on the defensive side in the ball, and I believe he was a was he was He was a running back. Running back so yeah. did you ever get the chance to go up against each other?
0: No, nah, we didn't. We didn't. He stopped playing before I jumped onto the scene in contact, so we missed that little rivalry there. But in the garden, we had plenty of battles. So oh, I'm sure
1: that would have been pretty cool so obviously yes the journey started it started in London for you and what was the recruitment process like because obviously now we've got organisations like PPI and Europe's Elite was it was it a company like PPI or how how did you find and yourself over there
0: it was just manual all done manually my brother would come down to my games with um his little camera little film camera would call me specifically and literally after school at the time I was like because I went out there when I was 14 But literally at the time, after school, I'd be in a library email in high schools, about 300 to 400, like, throughout the whole period of time. And then we finally got a call back from Virginia Academy High School out there. It was coached by an NFL player. So imagine everyone at my house is like, why is this NFL player calling our house? Everyone's just like, I was scared of nothing. So went out there for high school and then transferred to Bishop Ireton, another high school out there. And eventually got a scholarship to go to Ave Maria University,
1: which is cool. That's awesome. Yeah, and obviously, unfortunately, like your, your journey as a player ended there. But you made to the States. You played at Ave Maria University. And then you came back to UK. And that's where Excel was born.
0: Yeah, man. Tell,
1: tell us a bit about the start-up of that.
0: Uh, so I came back. I was sat in my room and I thought, you know what? I'd just come back from a game. I was like, you know what? Um not the quality of football isn't at its best but obviously when you've come from America you see no contrast like players turning up to games late and turning up to training late and you're just like hold on we need to ch- like change something change the dynamic and I thought you know what why not set up an organisation where you know these kids can learn obviously the football side of things because I've been up there and now I've done that um, also the small things like being on time uh being in sync, listening to your coaches, being respectful, stuff like that as well. So, And a lot of the kids I coach, uh, they pick it up so quickly. So it's just a testament to them as much as it is to us.
1: Yeah, and I know that's something that you really value as a coach. Like, I've seen some of the work you did with like Darren Agu, who's currently over, for those of you who don't know, he's playing high school football in and Gap, and he's now got hosts of FBS Division One offers as a result of your coaching at XL. Oh,
0: do you know what I would say? Obviously, yeah, coaches, we put some of the work in, but from the day, he was one of the first um, people to come down to Excel. And then you could just tell, he'd travel from East London all the way to Northwest, which is not a close journey at eight o'clock, nine o'clock in the morning, sometimes six. And just those little things, like the work ethic there, I just knew that, yeah, we knew that he was going to, obviously he's been given God, given talent, but we knew that he was always going to excel at the next level, so... I'm just super proud of him and it's good to have him back during this period of time as
1: well. I'll definitely be coaching him later this yeah. week for sure. Yeah, that's absolutely awesome. So yeah, I just want to run over some of the other players you've worked with as well. So obviously Darren Angu is currently at Raven Gap and then now a ton of the NFL Academy boys. So you've got guys like Kofi Taylor, Cy Roach, Tyreek Taiwo and you got Isaiah Loku as well from G B, mm-hmm. Chad Warren, a ton of these guys that you've coached up and they're now at the NFL Academy level, you've got obviously Charlotte. No, sorry, Isai Loco, who's playing now for Europe for the Europe Warriors. Mm. So the impact you've had on the sport is just—it's very visible in in the young, amongst the young players. Do we need to see more people like you? Because obviously we've got Elite North up in Manchester, and we've got PPI camps that come to the UK every so often. Yeah. What needs to be done? Because obviously you've had a massive impact, but there's still room to improve across the country because you can only target so many people.
0: Yeah, I feel like at this period of time where we're at, it's it's good because we do need more people like this. Um, just, you know, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes as well. Like we all praise everyone when they're in the NFL, but, and, but we don't see the underground work that goes into making them great. So it's just putting people like us on the map, you know, we're in a really good place where, you know, everyone is supporting each other as well. So in order for us to excel in, in our brick ball game, we need to all stick together, work together, and then eventually, you know, go out there. So shout out to all those guys in Manchester, London, Dukes, ATP, PPI, everyone doing their part to help UK and European kids get over the map, get over to the US.
1: That's absolutely awesome. So what do you envision for the future of brickball as a sport because obviously we've got we're sending players over to play in the german league we've got players potentially coming to play in the new european football league and obviously you've got a few going over to america to play high school and college ball what's the future like for our players
0: well, we're going to take over it's it's just that, that simple um we have a ton of talent here raw talent physical talent it's just you know holding those skills and you know just having these kids have a have a chance to have fun at the same time as well because at my time where I only had a little camera for my brother like some people might not have had that so my area of people playing might not have had the same opportunities that I did so it's just helping the younger generation tap into that knowledge that you have and you know help um, their future as well but Future's bright for UK ball. I feel like we'll go straight to the top, man. Challenge anyone and everyone.
1: Obviously, we've got this new influx of young talent through the NFL Academy. You have got the guys at Filton doing their thing as well. Mm-hmm. But it's gonna it is gonna be a time lag for that to happen. Like we saw when there was the Canadian Football League. They had, they held a combine last year. Like the the level of talent at that combine wasn't very high at all.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: hopefully, these young guys that you got, that the likes of you are coaching can progress and mm. essentially just fill those fill those roster spots in the nfl
0: yeah i feel like within the next three four years we will have definitely have some kids in the nfl for sure
1: yeah i mean darren Agu, he's he's had what over he's had over 10 high quality
0: division one effort
1: offers now hasn't
0: he yeah he's, he's he's good man and it's not just the offers like when you watch the boy play Serious talent. Um, you've already, we've already we got um James Femini out there as well. He's doing well. Um, you got another kid, Sadie Traore, who's just balling his mind out there as well. You might you might have seen him, and just these unlike a few kids that might not be on the radar, like Khalid Khalid Adiso, another big baller. Um, He's the um,
1: London Blitz defensive back, isn't
0: he? Yeah, really good player. There's so many names I can mention, so I haven't mentioned your name. Don't be offended, but there's just a few I could. Remember off the top of my head, yeah. so we have a lot of talent. And within the next couple of years, we'll definitely see some of our guys in the one big big FPS schools. And hopefully, they're not well after
1: that. Yeah, no, funnily enough, um, Saydu so Traore. Um, funny enough, you mentioned him. I was watching some film on him earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Um, just obviously, this this was before the high school ball season finish, so it was kind of incomplete film, uh, but he's got so much talent,
0: yeah. He's,
1: he's got so much time. I think he re- he re- received one offer so far, but he's got another year of eligibility left, hasn't he?
0: I think, yeah, he literally just got another one like 10 minutes ago. Oh, wow. On his Instagram, so congratulate him on that as well. So if you're listening, say well done, congrats.
1: In terms of the NFL Academy programme itself, it's received criticism for focusing on athletes rather than actual football players who've
0: been playing the sport a long time. What's your whole opinion on this matter? Um... So what do you mean, just in terms of development, or what do you mean?
1: So for example, I, I there's a situation there. Are these, there are these two players that I know. One of them got into NFL Academy, okay. one of them didn't. Well, the other one's now he's at Filton Filton Pride, mm-hmm. but a lot of player, a lot of people were saying that this other guy he should have got into NFL Academy because he's a better football player. Now this oh, okay. other this other guy got in because he runs a faster forty, he's got a higher vert, all of that. So I just want yeah, I just want to hear your take on all of
0: that. Um, you know what? My take on that is programs are going to pick who they think will, you know, push and drive their program to be the best there is. Although, I mean, there's a lot of film. I mean, getting film in the UK is tough. So, seeing all these kids via film, I probably make the decision easier. But since there's not a lot of access to that, you want to go off a lot of, you know, the raw talent and the skills that they have so if that's their process then I feel like if they're picking those players there they're doing a good job at it but there's like I said there's a lot of kids that I coach as well uh, one of my uh, corners Dylan uh, great great football player amazing football player but maybe not doesn't have the physical intangibles that would stand out at like a combine, but the boy can play football and it's just you know you can come to and just ball out we don't care do you know what I mean so I feel like if there's more film maybe just do a bit more analysis on the plays you are bringing in as well so I mean they're doing a great thing over there at the NFL Academy like I can't fault them yeah yeah great thank people on the map um helping these kids fulfil their dreams taking them to the Pro Bowl like it's awesome if we had that in my time I'd be extremely happy so <laughs> yeah <laughs> shout, shout out to them but um yeah, in terms of the picking process, they have their way of doing it. We have our way of doing it. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, no. What you mentioned there about getting film in the UK is a really good point because even the guys at Filton, when they're playing these international teams, I was watching film um, Lander and Bimbo. He's okay. currently playing high school ball over in the States as well. It's just it's so hard to gauge the talent because of the fact that they stand out on tape so so much because they're playing against so much lesser talent. Compared to what you would be playing against over in the states, and so yeah, it is really hard to get tape, and especially for the NFL Academy boys who haven't had any tape, any any actual game tape because obviously you have got COVID, yeah. and the fact they're literally just going off scrimmage tape. Like Fred Pelling, he's done really well to get himself an offer from um, Akron University. Yeah, good um, again, but yeah, the NFL Academy for sure, they've got to, the players. I think they've got to get themselves some game film in mm-hmm. spring ball if they get one.
0: Yeah, that is, that's a big thing as well because film is, coaches, they just, their main focus is film. They yeah. want to see a time. I mean, I look at that sometimes, but what can you do on the field against a good player? You know what I mean? So,
2: yeah,
1: because it's all very well having the physical attributes, having the 40 yeah. time, having the vert. But if you can't match up one-on-one with your other guy,
0: then exactly. you're be useless. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, more of an emphasis on film as well, hopefully... And again, shout out to, I don't know, you might have seen, I have a couple of great videographers that have come and helped me along the way. You might have seen Play Action Coverage. Yeah. He's awesome. He helps um, a lot for the scene as well, his work. Might not have the recognition yet, but he will do. And uh, my other videographer, Brandon, as well, awesome guy helping, you know, develop, you know, film for these guys and have a little bit of something for them to send over, which is great.
1: Yeah, no, Play Action Coverage has done a great job. I've seen a lot of videos he's done. Like he's done some work with like Sam Fenton some of the guys at the NFL academies obviously he's done work with you guys at XL yeah he's yeah. done some great work I, I didn't know it was just one guy I thought it was a bigger company than that
0: yeah it's one guy man he's, he's the truth he works really hard <laughs> yeah,
1: I can tell he's, you know he's, he makes some great quality videos yeah um, I just want to like just move things back to you now you guys at XL so obviously it's you your brother and you've got you brought in a quarterback coach as well now so yeah. how, how are things progressing in terms of the company
0: yeah, we're we're doing well, man. We're doing well. Um, you might see on Instagram we had a collab with Wilson Football.
1: Yeah, that was great. awesome.
0: Great, nice little stepping so for the meantime. And again, I thank you for Wilson and Day One Football for you know providing us that platform to share our story with. But um, yeah, things are going well with us, man. We're um, we're growing. A lot of people are starting to hear about us. I feel like they heard about us before but they didn't want to reach out. But <laughs> now they know who we are, which is great. Um but yeah, like we're doing well. We have Alex Dixon as well. Great QB. He's done it. Um
1: He was at Fordham University, wasn't he?
0: Yeah, he was. He was at Fordham. I played with him while I was in the UK as well, which is good. So I know him pretty well. Um yeah, so we over the summer about before COVID all started he was working with a couple of QBs working with Sam Sam Fenton um, Hassan a couple of the kids so whenever like this COVID's quite um, gone quiet we'll definitely have back down at sessions to coach our QBs and my brother as well helps out um, assistant coach like he's great running back skills yeah, he knows his stuff so good community we just want to grow and grow
1: I understand it's not just American football that you've been covering recently you've had obviously you've did Bournemouth play Mikel and Jolie in?
0: Yeah, we did. Well, you're,
1: you're covering both both footballs now, ticking all the boxes.
0: Yeah, exactly. Football, basketball. Well, hopefully we we'll want to get into basketball soon. Um, but yeah, American football, football, football. We just want all the athletes that train with us to excel at their sport at the highest level. So, yeah, it was great to have Mikel down. Um, we had another former Watford striker down there. or got Obi. Um... Alain and Bale using the Scottish Premier League at the moment or Championship one of the two. So it's just great to have, you know, other sports reach out and come and get this work. So it's good stuff.
1: Because at the end of the day, all these skills are transferable. Like obviously, basketball, the verts really key, the 40s really key, the agility, they're all transferable skills. So yeah, it's just great to see that you guys are going to have an impact on just UK sports as a whole, not just American football. So yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, just congratulations with the work you've done so far.
0: Thank you, thank you, appreciate that. guys. thank you.
1: Um, we won't keep you much longer. Thank you very much for giving up your time and coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Is there anything at all that uh, you'd, you'd like to plug at the end of the podcast?
0: Uh, yeah, just you know, come down to Excel if you haven't heard already. Um, performance training, American football, football, any sport. Go to DM, follow on Instagram at Coach Underscore Excel. And again, just shout out to, you know, all the UK podcasts as well. You guys are doing your thing as well. Shout out to, you know, NFL with Nia. You know, she's doing awesome things as well. Let's just, it's just keep sticking together. Keep hopping on each other's podcasts and training sessions. It just grows a community, you know. just good to put the, the UK on our back and cause a scene over there in the US.
1: Absolutely, yeah. We're going go to go and take over the sport. Exactly, man. All right, cheers. Thank you very much for coming on.
0: All right, man. Thanks for having me. Take care.
2: Well, I'm sure that was brilliant, but I'm not going to be able to hear that until the edit. So I'm going to have to take Stan's word for it that it went well until then.
1: Trust me, it was amazing.
2: Okay, so let's get into the standings. I mean, not much has really changed.
1: The standings?
2: oh look at him go at him... <laughs> wow i think he may have to be deducted a win for that but uh, no, he... and
1: i'll still be in the lead either
2: way so exactly the same order all that's happened is there's been a little bit of a separation between second and third and i've caught up one place to joe but what yeah because you got one less right joe that's how it works how <laughs> numbers work Jay boy so i'm at 105 67 and one Joe's at 106 66 at 1 Matt 109 63 and 1 and Stan Wilson still leading the way 112 60 and 1 which is a pretty impressive record. Ugh, I hate it. We hate. It. It is quite
1: impressive. Yeah, I just had a look at this leaderboard out of NFL analysts the other day and it was like a, it was like 150 I think I would I would have ranked like sixth or seventh out of them which is uh, well quite humble. That's pretty good. So
4: I mean, if but they won't pay your down release clause, Stan. So you're still tied to us. Were they, were they doing that
1: dumb. week? by week? I have a contract.
4: Yeah, your your release clause is several million pounds. Yeah. It. yeah, and three sandwiches.
1: <laughs> yeah, so far my, my salary consisted of um, a sandwich from Joe at the end of the season when he loses the when he loses the um, pickem competition. No, he doesn't have to lose. He just
2: has to not win. Yeah, but that is losing. Oh. Losing to everyone. Losing
1: to everyone knows second place is just the first loser. If
2: you ain't first, you're last. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's get into the game of the week pick. As chosen by you, we did try and fix it, but unfortunately there weren't enough half-decent games for us to feasibly put alternative options on. So the pick of the week ties in with our podcast, funnily enough, but we have already spoken about them. NFC West matchup of the Cardinals and the LA Rams. Stan, we've already heard that you've got the Rams. Do you want to explain a little bit more? The Rams
1: are better coached than us at the end of the day. I think that's all that needs to be said on this one, to be honest.
2: Yeah, all I know you're saying that. I just wanted to hear you say it again. Yeah. Matt, who do you reckon in this one? <laughs>
4: <laughs> Can't believe the Judasness coming from Stan here. Um, I, I've, I've got a little bit more faith in Stan's team than Stan does here. I, I, I kind of fancy the, the cards in this one, to be honest. I... I think the Cards' defence, as you mentioned, Slew, were pretty impressive last time out. Um, and it's more just stems from, yes, Sean, Sean McVay's a brilliant coach, but I, I don't think the Rams have got anything to be scared of on offence, especially when Jared Goff flips the footy to the wrong team most <laughs> of the time. So mm. I'm, I'm going to go Cards on this one, I think. Mm.
2: Does it not what you say about the Cards' um, defence? Is the Rams' offense not superior to that of the Patriots right now? It's a bit more multi-dimensional. That it's not—you don't just yeah. have to key in, key in on the run and you've basically stopped it.
1: I think it's—it was—it was coaching as well. Like before half, we were in a situation. It was a fourth. It was a fourth down conversion opportunity, or you take a field goal before half. Considering you get the ball right back after the half, Cliff Kingsbury typically went for it and, missed, and failed, failed on the conversion attempt on fourth down and we essentially gave the ball away and that was the end of the half. If we had taken those three points, it would have been a completely different story. And obviously the Isaac- eyes...
2: Well, maybe he didn't trust his kicker based on what we saw later it in was, the game. It was a chip shot. Oh, a chip it was a chip bit. shot.
4: I'm, I'm getting Lampard against Germany vibes here. <laughs> a completely different, if we score that for
2: half-time, it's a completely different game. <laughs> You, you still can... lost 4-1 that's no, two all mate you don't understand how that it works game,
3: game. <laughs> I'm, I'm back in my boys stand here though I'm going to say the Rams win um, I think one of their defences like Slew mentioned previous Aaron Donald Jane and Ramsey playing their minds out this year um, and I think yeah like on, on offence I think the the mixture of rushing attack that they present with Um and their outside run game is pretty strong. Maybe Cam Akers will see a little bit more action now after like that one big run. I think he had like nine attempts, but almost 100 yards. And his
2: first rushing touchdown.
3: Uh, no, it yeah, it
2: was. I think it was his first, his first guy. That was a receiving touchdown, Stan. Learn your favourite players.
1: I gave up on him ever since I discovered it was backfield by committee at the start of the season, if I'm honest with you. <laughs>
4: Oh, you you've been peddling the Cam Akers thing for a
1: fucking while oh, now. I still have I, mean faking season. him down the stretch, but I'm just in of this season. I cut him off my fancy
3: team quite quickly.
2: You did, to be oh, fair. Wow. It's, it's very kind
3: of a very diverse rushing attack from the, from the Rams.
4: It's a funny way of saying no one particularly good's there.
1: <laughs> well, they're, they're, it looks like they're going to stop Cam Akers a bit more, though, most likely.
2: No, yeah, but you know they won't you know we will go straight back to let's start with Henderson and then we'll go with Malcolm Brown for short yardage and then oh you know what Cam Akers hasn't touched the ball for about a quarter and a half let's just give him a rush <laughs> yeah so no but I think I think the Rams are going to win I've already spoken how I'm not entirely sold on this Cardinals offense I mean talent wise yeah absolutely but they just don't look as explosive as they should do they don't look like they could score every time they touch the ball and it's weird given the players that they have yeah but yeah, I think the Rams, we've spoken to death about their defence at the moment, but I think they're going to have a bit too much for them.
1: We struggle with identity off- offensively. Like, I'm all for like offensive diversity and chaining up your looks, but each week it seems that we see a different style of offence play by the Cardinals. One week it'll be empty gun sets or two-by-two gun sets or three-by-one gun sets like revolving around wide receiver screens, and then the next week it'll be jumbo gun or like 12 personnel pistol or something like that. It's just every week we seem to rely on like a new idea and it rarely ever like all strings together to perform a complete offence. And that's part of the reason why I'd argue that we're no longer an AERO team at all. You need a more coherent offence. Yeah. A what? Coherent. More coherent Coherent.
3: offence, I think is what he's trying to say. No, I want to hear Joe say it again. Coherent.
2: (laughs) 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 I'll get back to coding, mate. (laughs) (laughs) So cold, but yeah, basically, the cards
4: spend too much time trying to bamboozle opposition defenses that they actually only bamboozle themselves.
2: Yeah, so that is the end of our show today. Thank you so much again for listening. Make sure you check out our socials at the dropback on Twitter and Instagram, at the dropback UK on Facebook. Look at our website for articles, game picks and more, which is the dropback.com or the dropback.co.uk. And thanks again for Kojo Oteng for stopping by for a great chat with Stan. I've been Sam. I've been Stan. I've been Matt. And I've been Joe. And until next time, goodbye. See you later. The Dropback
1: with Sam Lewis, Matt Burns Peak, Joe Costanzo, and Stan Wilson. you in the same order as the intro. I can
2: change it.
0: I'll change
2: it so Stan goes first. That's so fucked. Just because he's got a big ego on him.